Good. Well, we're in a series on prayer. That's what we've been talking about this month. And today is no different, except we've been looking at the prayers of Jesus in the book of Luke. So you can be opening your Bibles to Luke 11. And we're going to look at chapter 11 and 18 today. Last week, we saw a pattern of prayer, and we, we learned a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. But right following that, Jesus tells an example, a story, paints a picture about praying and about when we should pray and, and, and with what, what attitude we should pray. And so uh, today, we're going to look at a picture of prayer and two parables Jesus gave us about prayer. And so that's Luke 11 and Luke 18. So I'll read those scriptures kind of when we get to them. Common complaint um, that, that I've heard Christians say, and I've said it too, uh, maybe you've said it, that it feels like my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. Maybe you said it that way, or bouncing off the ceiling. Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Have you ever had to say something like that? Yeah, I, I, sometimes we struggle in prayer um, because we, we feel like we don't know how or we, we don't understand. And, 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 and it can be. I, I'm not laying that this is the cause for anybody. But, but I feel like sometimes we think of God um, in, in ways that the Bible doesn't actually portray. I mean, there, there are elements of it, but it's not his relationship to the believer. And that is... That he's mean, that he's looking for you to mess up so he can get you. Uh, uh, that's a lot of good southern gospel songs or southern country songs, right? God's going to get you for that kind of thing. Um, but Jesus said something different. He said, the Father himself loves you. That he wants to hear from you. You don't even have to ask me. You can ask the Father in my name and he'll give you what you need. Right? John fifteen seven says that, that. That we can pray to the Father. We don't need anybody else to help us. We are priests to our God. It, that's what he calls us in Peter, that we are already priests of the kingdom. We can pray directly to God in Jesus' name, and he will answer according to his will. We, we, we are so thrilled for the answers God gave us for baby Benjamin, who you met this morning. I, I, I didn't realize the middle name, or I'd forgotten it if I did. Theophilus means a friend of God or, or, or a lover of God. It's the, the uh, um, when Luke is writing the book of Acts, he says, O Theophilus. He's writing to someone. It may have been a code word or it might have actually been the guy's name. And so that's a cool name. I, I, I'm going to start calling him Theo instead of Ben, I tell you. Um, it's, just, it's just so awesome. God does great miracles, doesn't he? And sometimes we, we, we pray and we feel like they're not getting anywhere. And, and I'll give you some reasons why we might feel that, that, that are legitimate. You can apply them where you want. Sorry, I taught Sunday school as well, so I, I need to take a lot of sips. Um, one of those is um, that I, I, I have sin in my life. If I have sin that I know is there, and I'm not dealing with that, repenting, getting away from it, confessing it to God and moving away from it, the Bible says if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. That's in Psalm. If you hold on to sin, why would God listen to you? Is, is kind of the idea. Not saying that you'll ever be sinlessly perfect because no man is the side of heaven. But if you know it's wrong and you keep doing it, that's a whole different issue, right? So that's, that can be a reason. And the second reason is the wrong basis of prayer. You're, you're praying to God thinking you got to beg him. You, you think God hates you. You think uh, that, that, that God doesn't want to answer your prayer or hear you. And so you're not praying with... with uh, 
with the right basis which Jesus gave us to pray to the Father in his name in the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us in our praying. And so that comes to, we just have a lack of trust. It, trust is the word for faith. And I don't want to say lack of faith because I've heard these yahoos tell somebody, oh, well, the reason you're sick is you just don't have enough faith. Well, that's not true. I got a lot of faith, but I've had colds that I never wanted. I've got diabetes, had it for 53, six something years. I never wanted it. Ask God to take it away. He never did. Do I have faith that he can? I sure do. I've seen him do big miracles, bigger than that. But he didn't do it. Why? Well, because it wasn't his perfect will. So sometimes we, we come to God, but we don't believe what he said he would do. There are promises in the Bible. That's why 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1 says, As many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes. And we give the amen. And by the way, that yes may not be exactly what we asked. Somebody, listen, there's plenty of them TV preachers, and I don't want to condemn all of them because a lot of good guys on TV preaching. But, but you know the type, the type that if you send them money, God's going to make you rich. Why don't you just keep your money and invest it somewhere where it'll make money instead of in that dude? Because all he's doing is, it's a Ponzi scheme. He's getting you to pay him to get rich, right? And he'll tell you that that is faith. That's not faith. God didn't tell you to do that. There's nowhere in the Bible that God tells you to do that. He does say bring tithe to the storehouse. We take up offering. We use that for the church. We use that to help people. But, but that's not faith. But faith is this, the assurance of God's promise that he made. And when I find a promise and I ask him for that promise... If I don't get exactly what I asked for, it's because he wants to give me more of himself. It's always positive. It's always a yes. What do you mean by that? Well, let's think of one guy that God used to heal people whom I believe, and I say that with some emphasis, but I believe God raised him from the dead. That's Apostle Paul because he got stoned. If you know the nature of stoning, you don't survive that. Uh, it's impossible to survive that. And they stoned him, and then he popped up and said, well, let's go back in the city. It's like, you don't do that, man. What? It's a scary thing. That guy said this, I had a thorn from Satan, and it troubled me, and I asked God to remove it. He said, no. I asked God twice. He said, no. I asked him the third time. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. God wants to give more of himself to us to bear the burden that he has assigned us to bear. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get rid of burdens when we can. If I could be cured of diabetes today, I'd do it. But boy, has it taught me a lot. So sometimes our suffering teaches us, and God has it there to push us to look to him. And sometimes he wants to just glorify himself by doing some healing or miracle or just getting you through it. So, so I want you to understand that as we look at these parables. Because here's the statement I want you to take home with you today. Jesus loves us enough to tell us how to pray and then show us how to pray. He, it's not just telling us to pray. He wants to show you how to pray. And that's what we're going to see today. And, and the pattern was great. But Jesus drives it home by drawing us a picture. I, I thought about putting together uh, toys when you buy them for your kids or, or things. You know, like, I don't know if y'all ever bought Ikea furniture. I have not. But I understand it comes in pieces. You got to put it together. I've had to put together a lot of stuff. And I think back when I was a kid, the instructions just told you what to do. Now they don't have very many words on it. It's just pictures. And you, just got, you can figure it out from the picture because you won't understand where slot A was and 
tab B went, right? So they draw a picture for you. Oh, that piece looks like that piece. And oh yeah, there it is and it fits. So Jesus draws us a picture. And, and so look here with me in Luke 11. We've already talked about the Lord's Prayer in the first few verses, in the first four verses there. And we pick it up. As soon as he finished, he starts talking in verse 5. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse 6, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Here in this passage, um, I don't know if you've ever thought this through. We, we call this the friend at midnight, right? Um, I, I'm calling it today a friend in need. And so this guy has company come at midnight to his house. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. But uh, obviously it happened then. They didn't have phones to call ahead. And they didn't have a lot of hotels they could stop in. They got there when they got there and he knocks on the door. And he says, hey, can I come in? The guy goes, sure, come on in. He brings him in. And he says, man, we are starving. You got anything? And he looks, and his cupboards are empty. He's got no bread. So he says, hold on. I got a friend down the street. I'll be right back. He runs to his friend's house, knocks on the door, and says, hey, wake up. Another friend of mine came to my door just now, and I don't have anything to feed him, and he's hungry. And from inside, he hears his friend say, I'm already in bed with the kids. Go away. Now, many a crusader becomes a quitter right there. You know, a lost man can get no from God. It takes a Christian to get a yes. So when God says no, but without explanation, what do you do? Well, what Jesus is telling us to do is pray again. The guy knocks on the door again. Hey, man, listen, I'm not kidding. This dude's starving. He's hungry. I'm embarrassed. I got to give him something to eat. And the Bible says that this man had turned him away. But he says, but because of his imprudence, he came and answered. That word imprudence is a combination of two words. One is a negative, which means here's the word but it's not that. And the other word is modesty. It's not modesty. It's not, hey man, somebody's here. It's, hey, I got a need. Come on, come to the door. He's his friend. He figures he'd get up. The guy says, no. He doesn't turn around and walk off. He starts hitting it harder. Hey, wake up. Hey, kids, get up. Get your dad up. I need bread. Dude, dude, you want to wake up the neighbors. Be quiet. Okay, okay, okay. I'll get it for you. 
That's what Jesus said. Not because he's his friend, but because he kept knocking on the door, yelling, hollering. He had lacked modesty in asking. How many of us come trembling? There's a verse in Hebrews that says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I never understood putting the word boldly and the word grace in the same sentence, but it's exactly what God did for us. He says we can come boldly. It's a throne of giftedness. He's going to give it to us. You can't earn it just because you're asking that you're going to get it. He gives it because he wants to give it to us. It's a throne of grace. We put ourselves in that position. You see, a friend might turn you away, but... A friend might need you to beg him, might need you to bang on the door, but God doesn't need that. God's your father. He wants to give you what you need. And so when you come to him, he will give you exactly what you need. So how often should we pray after he tells this little story? By the way, before I leave that story, what happens if tomorrow night, guy A, who had the friend come to his door and needed food, that night, another friend of his, because this guy's just a sucker to feed you if you're hungry from out of town, and the next night, another guy shows up at midnight. He goes, I gave all that bread to that first guy. He goes, how many of you go back to that same guy I told you no the night before and bang on the door? Hey, you got any bread? I got another friend here. And that's exactly what Jesus asked us to do. To come back to the Father, come back to the Father, come back to the Father. Because God never runs out of supply. And then right after that, he says something that you've heard a lot about. I'm going to, I caught something in this that I hadn't seen before, so it might be new to you. He says, I tell you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. You, you've heard it said and, and that these are words that mean keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's, and that's true. But, but I, I, I discovered something because I looked it up. That, that I never, never quite caught before. This word ask, whew, the definition for ask is amazing, this particular word. Here's the definition out of a Greek dictionary of this word. It is strictly a demand for something due. D-U-E. It is a command, it is a, a strictly a command, a demand, I should say, for something due. In other words, God says, I promised it, now come demand it. James says, you have not because you ask not. And then you ask and you don't get it because you asked it for the wrong reason so you could put it on yourself. We're praying for God's glory. We're praying for God's kingdom is what we should be praying for. Not to make us rich. Not to make us powerful. Not to make us important. But to make much of God, not much of ourselves. And so we go to his door and say, we have a friend who's starving to death. He's on his way to hell. He does not know the bread of life. But you know it. You've got the story. Give it to me so I can give it to him. And God says, absolutely. You don't even have to knock twice for that one. Demand what is due and I'll give it to you. The word knock, I mean seek, is to search for something that is hidden, but it's accompanied by an urgent need. It's like looking for your glasses. If you had your glasses, you could see them, right? <laughs> or you might be like me looking for my keys while I'm holding them in my hand. I don't know. <laughs> But it's when you got to have something, you got to have it now, and it's, oh my goodness, I can't find it. Where is it? 
It is looking for it with an urgent need. I've got to find this or we're going to die. It, it's sort of like in a, in, a, in a horror movie or story. And the guy's trying to get away from the guy chasing him. And he comes to the door and his door is locked. And, and for whatever reason, he's got, you know, 50 keys on his ring. Drops him, and he can't get it. It's that sense of there's an urgent need. I got to find it. Where's the right one? God, you've got to answer this prayer. Do you pray that way or do you say, oh, Lord, uh, they asked us to pray for this. So, uh, well, you know what to do. There you go. No, there's an urgency. There's a, there's a need that is, that is there. And so you keep seeking for that answer. And then the word knock, that's a, this is the most amazing one. You might want to write this definition down. It means knock. <laughs> so the way I took that is, well, if knock means knock, like you go to up to a door and you're a little embarrassed. You don't, you know, it's a stranger's door or something. And you go, anybody home? <laughs> but this is a, hey, I need you to come to the door. Knock. Seek. Ask. I don't know about you, but that gave me a holy hallelujah when I was studying it. Look what he says right after that. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, gives him a snarf, and asks for an egg, gives him a stone? And you're evil. You are not righteous like God. If, if you as unrighteous fathers will give your son what he needs, won't your father give you what you need? Absolutely he will. And notice what he says he'll give you. The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Wait. <laughs> I thought we were praying for Cadillacs up in here. Isn't that what, the, and what the, some of those you know, heretic preachers on TV say? God's made me wealthy. wants to make you wealthy too. I got four jets and you can have you a Rolls Royce if you send me $100. <laughs> you are a heretic bound for hell teaching false doctrine. But when you ask God for the Holy Spirit, what is that a sign of when the Holy Spirit comes? That you know God, that you are saved. Romans 8 says you become a Christian when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And he's saying if you ask your father to answer your need, he will give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you salvation. And then stuff of this world don't matter so much anymore. Because I know where I'm headed now. I've got a companion on this narrow road we're walking. His name is Jesus. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He stays with us. And and kind of never understood that verse till I was studying this. He gives the Holy Spirit. Wait, why is he saying that? And it hit me. Because what you all need, what I need, is for the Holy Spirit to be with me. He is the third person of the Godhead. And he comes when we, when we cry out to Christ to save us. And he takes residency up. And Paul says, in these clay pots... And the eternal weight of glory is contained in this clay pot. And he won't leave us. He will take us all the way into heaven. Man, that's, that's awesome. Well, flip over to chapter 18. I want you to see, this is called, we call this the persistent widow. It's similar to the other, but it, it's different. That one was a friend. This guy is not a friend at all. But if you read verse 1, you'll see the point Jesus wants to make so you'll understand it better when we, when we look at it. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and read uh, eight, uh, eight verses there. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Man, I love the ESV. (laughs) And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Why will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's a little bit there to, to, to unfold for us. We, we read about this widow woman, and you, you understand the context of their culture, their day. Most women's entrance into society or her, or her coinage in society was through her husband. And that her husband would take care of stuff like this for her. But this is a widow, so she doesn't have a husband, and so her need is great. She didn't have the same opportunities of a man, and she has a great need, and so somebody took advantage of her and cheated her, so she goes to the law. She goes to the judge. But the judge doesn't care. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't fear man. He doesn't give a flip, and so he just says, go away. No, I'm not going to do it. So that's kind of the setting. But notice the reason Jesus is telling us this parable. In that very first verse, it says, he told this parable, and, and Luke is letting us know. Luke is a stickler for detail, because he's a doctor, so he's, details matter. That you would pray and not lose heart. King James says faint. I looked up those words, and it means the source and worthless. It, you come to a point, fainting means Well, my source isn't there. My source is worthless, so I give up. I can't win. Losing heart is to say you've lost the source of your strength. It's it's despair. And he's telling us a parable so we won't lose heart because this judge said no, 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 no. And he's a wicked judge. This isn't even a good friend. This, This is not a loving father. This is a wicked Wicked judge. He's uncaring. And this widow has a need. And so she comes to him. And asks over and over. To give her justice against her adversary. And in verse 4. We hear what is at least going on in the mind of this judge. For a while he refused. Well actually it tells us it's in his mind. But afterward he said to himself. Though I neither fear God nor respect man. Well obviously. He knew himself. I don't care about God. I don't believe in him. I don't care about men. Don't respect any of them. But because this widow keeps bothering me. (laughs) No jokes here. (laughs) I'll give her justice. So she won't beat me down. By this continual coming. In other words, she ain't going away. She's going to wear me out. Okay, I'll just give it to you. Get rid of you. Now that seems so negative. But Jesus is making a point. This is the polar opposite of what God's going to do for you. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Will God not give justice to his elect, those who know him, those to whom he's given the Holy Spirit? Won't he listen to your cry, to your prayer? They cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he'll give justice to them speedily. Now, again, we come to a a point of God's timing and our timing is different. You know, God is never late, but he's never early either. He's always on time. 
I, so, many, so many things that just in your life, my life, you see it's like, oh no, what's going And then right at the right time, God shows up because that's how God does it, right? In fact, there's a reference here, and, and, and Jesus, I don't know that he's doing this, but he may be foreshadowing. We're studying Revelation at, at, at night at 5 o'clock, and we're coming to, to chapter 6 the, tonight where uh, we see the first uh, six um, uh, seals opened. And then the next chapter is, is a scene of heaven again. And, and we see a lot of saved people in heaven. And it says, the martyrs in heaven are under the altar crying out to God, how long, O Lord? Well, there's a couple of interesting things there. Number one, they're under God's altar. So they're in the, like the coolest place. But they're aware of time. How long? And the answer is, I got it. Rest a while. It's coming. Even in the midst of the apocalypse, as we would call revelation, but it's, it's actually not apocalypse, it's a prophetic word. We find martyrs crying out to God in heaven. How long are you going to let our brothers keep being killed down there? Hold on. You're here. Look around. It's going to be okay. We're going to get it. Jesus tells us in this parable, the, the elect who cry out to him day and night, God will give you justice. Now, it may be on the other end. Understand that. There are a lot of Christians in this world that don't get justice here. And as Christians, we should strive to see justice done for others and for ourselves. But, but what we have here is, will not God? He said, listen to what that judge said. But will not God, who loves you, cares for you, Take care of you in timing. And the answer is, of course he will. But in this story, my Bible breaks, the verses break at this phrase. I'll tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Then he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I thought that was odd to talk about his coming right after he's talking about the judge. And guess what the answer is? It's what it always is. Keep reading. (laughs) I, I, didn't, I, I didn't develop this to preach on it. But notice what happens. He also, um, and so then he also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So this story is bleeding into another. And the, and the connector is, if you have faith, God's going to answer you. But the son says, when, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find anybody trusting God? And then he tells the story of the guy who trusted God, and it's the poor man in the back of the church. And the rich man, I, I say church, we know it's a synagogue or the temple. It's the temple. Two men go up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, who were the law keepers. They are the perfect guys. You know, they, they think they're all that, and a bag of chips. And the other's a tax collector, and he's hated by everybody. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you, I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like that tax collector in the back. He didn't say in the back, but I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Sounds like he's telling everybody what he's doing, not telling God anything God doesn't already know. But the tax collector, standing far off in verse 13, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you remember the first beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. People that realize they got nothing, can't, don't have the power to get anything, and they just have to cry out to God, God, I got nothing. 
would you give me yourself? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to drip. I don't want to drizzle. I want you. I want you in my life. That's faith. That's faith. And then Jesus said, I tell you, this man who cried out that God be merciful to him, a sinner, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. He tells us to keep praying, to keep after it, not to give up, because God is sending an answer. And why do we pray? Why would God not give us an answer? One, to keep us praying. Two, that when the answer does come, we recognize it. You know, God answers prayers sometimes, and we forget that it was a prayer we prayed. Has that ever happened to you? I, I, I can't get specific, but I know what happened. I, I know that somebody, I don't, might not have been me even, they prayed, and then this thing happened, and somebody said, well, didn't you pray about that? Oh, yeah, I did. And, and then he forgot. Well, he says, keep praying. So when I answer, you know who to give the glory to. Because you could never work it out. <laughs> right? So when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? If you're being killed, if you're being martyred, if they're, if they're actually destroying your life, but you still believe in God and still keep asking him for justice, that's faith. And when you say, just God be merciful to me, a sinner, just simply ask him for his help. He comes and he gives you exactly what you need. So I'm going to ask you some things that maybe you can think about this week. Number one, are you asking, seeking, and knocking? Are you, are you coming to God himself, yourself, to God, and asking him, seeking him, knocking on heaven's door? And then, do you trust the love of our Father? God is a Father that loves us. Now, we can only call him Father if we become his and he gives us the Holy Spirit. If we, if we come to follow him and ask him to be our Father, that's when he becomes Father. He's our creator, but he's only the Father to those who cry out to him and so if we come to God and we ask him to be our father he will become our father and he will give everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and thirdly are you asking the father for things or for the Holy Spirit we think things will make us happy I don't really I've never heard of anybody who is 100% satisfied with their stuff in fact, this morning I, I was listening to an old hippie Christian from the 70s. And he had all the stuff. And he was looking for God. He wasn't happy. And he said, I wasn't even a Christian. And I thought, well, this stuff is getting in the way. So I got rid of all my stuff. <laughs> and then he saw God. God came to him. He became a Christian, which was a great thing. But even Christians, we come to God. And what we call faith is asking God to do some miraculous thing that we think he ought to do. But here's real faith. Do you trust God to do what God wants to do? Even if it means it's not exactly what you were looking for? That's faith. That's trust. Faith is not giving some charlatan on TV at 10 bucks so you can get rich. Faith is trusting God in your poverty to supply your need. Faith is trusting that in your sinfulness, he'll come in and pay, has paid for your sin and will erase the record for you and save you and give you the Holy Spirit. Are you asking God to fill you with himself. Fill you with the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. God of very God. He can live in us. In order that we might give. Show God to other people. Is that what you're after? Or are you after to be comfortable? Are you after 
stuff on earth? Are you after the praise of men and the power of politics or whatever it might be? Are you just seeking God for what God wants to give you? Because he's a father that knows your need better than you know your need. He'll give you exactly what you need if you let him make the choice. But when you reject his choice, why would, why would he even listen if you are in rebellion against what he wants for your life? A lot of people never figure that out. Once you do, it's still something you got to remember day to day to day. Because you get caught up in the trouble, boy, and you just start, God, do this. God goes, I got you, man. Hang in there. And he gives us a new sense of his presence. He gives us a new uh, understanding that he is with us. The psalmist said, if I made my bed in hell, behold, you're there. You cannot flee from God's presence. He is everywhere. And if he's living with us, there's nowhere you can go that you have to be worried that he doesn't have you in his hand. Because that's what Jesus said, that the Father put us in the middle of his hand and he will protect us there. And nothing can get to us that doesn't come through his sovereign will. God, may we keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Lord, may we have an urgency in our praying. Not so you would hear us, but so we would remember that we didn't have the power to fix it ourselves. We had to ask you, and you showed up and did it. And then we want to take glory for it. We want people to applaud us when we didn't do anything. You did it all. So may we be real careful to be thankful to you for what you have done. For indeed, you have done more than we deserved. You've done greater things for us than we could even ask for. Yet you told us to come boldly and ask. And so we dare do that right now. Lord, I ask that those here who do not know you, you'll speak into their heart right in this moment. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, because I can't do it, only you can do this. That's what you said. That you would speak their need into their heart, that they need to turn to you. They need to give up their struggle, their life, and place it all in your hands. And that they would turn to you and surrender all that they are, all that they have, and all that they ever might be. And say, God, I want you, I want Jesus to save me, I want his blood to count for my sin. And I want the Holy Spirit to come and live in me so that I can know the power of God to go through this life. Whether I'm rich or poor, healthy or sick, I go through this life knowing you are with me and it doesn't matter. Because there's a day coming when all things are made right, where justice will come, where, where we'll be in heaven with you and all things will be made right. And God, I just pray that you would talk to our hearts. And those who, of us who claim to know you, God, may we remember you're our Father. And you may give us things we want, trinkets and toys. We are grateful for those. But all that is just bonus stuff. Lord, we ought to have joy that you are with us, that you live in us, that you let us call you Father because you've adopted us. It's not that you let us. You, you literally say, I want you to be in my family, and you adopt us in so we can call you Father. We didn't make that up, Father. The Lord Jesus told us that, that you love us yourself, and we come in his name by his righteousness, what he did on the cross, to say, Father, please hear this prayer. Answer today in power and might 